The past few weeks, we've been exploring what it means to be a one another church. It's a church that's characterized by a strong sense of community. It understands that it's a church that understands that Christian life is something that we do together and that we are called to practice loving one another as Christ has loved us. Such love is expressed in the way that brothers and sisters in Christ encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, bear with one another, and forgive one another. And such love will especially show in the way we serve one another. Listen to Paul as he writes to the Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul's letter to the Galatians, which was a church in present-day Turkey, the central part of Turkey. This letter is all about Christian freedom, but he's not talking about political freedom or economic freedom or freedom that casts off all personal restraints as, you know, in doing whatever we want to do, doing whatever we want. But he's talking about true spiritual freedom. It's a freedom from slavery to sin, freedom from the bondage to our own ego, a freedom from our own selfish desires and passions. A life centered on self-indulgence is a recipe for unhappiness and relational heartbreak. To use Paul's words, if that is what our life is all about, we will only continue to bite and devour each other, destroying each other. But Jesus Christ has set us free from all that. Now we are free to serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another. The Greek root behind the English verb to serve is the word doulos, which literally means servant or slave. To serve others is to wait on other people as though we were choosing to be their slave. It means we are devoted to the other people around us to meet their needs. And that, of course, is what our Lord chose to do, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul, in another place, writes in his letter to the Philippians, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Servants are, are not uh, given high status in our world today. People strive for power and for fame, for popularity, for wealth and success, but they don't necessarily, distri- don't necessarily strive to become a servant or to grow in our capacity to serve. In fact, in some circles, servanthood is downright demeaning. I grew up with a couple of brothers. I was the oldest. They'd always pick on me. And there was always a bit of sibling rivalry 
And whenever one of, one, of the, one of us would ask a favor of another brother, the response would almost invariably be, who do you think I am, your servant? <laughs> As though there, there, you know, there couldn't be anything worse, right? You may remember the time when James and John came to Jesus and they wanted to sit in the chief seats when, when Christ came into his kingdom. You know, they wanted to be the secretary of state and the vice president or whatever. Well, we're not unlike them. We want to be seen as prominent and successful people. But what we really want is not, is not success, but significance. And we miss it if we merely serve ourselves. So that Jesus said to James and to John, look here, if you really want to be something, if you want to be great, if you want to make a difference in this life, then become a servant. Get out of the limelight. Stop focusing on your own needs. Think of others. That's what life in my kingdom is all about. You are to be a great servant. So our Lord calls you and me to serve one another. A simple command. But what does it mean in practice? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian and pastor, wrote a classic little book entitled Life Together. It's about Christian community. In fact, we have a couple of copies in our church library. In his chapter on ministry, he offers some wise counsel as to how we can serve one another in the body of Christ. And the first thing he talks about is offering the service or the ministry of holding one's tongue. I'm not sure I would have thought of that first, but I can understand it. The way that we can serve one another is to hold one another's tongue. In other words, we can refuse to speak ill of each other. For nothing can spoil Christian community faster than a loose tongue that poisons the community well by spreading malicious gossip, casting aspersions upon others, questioning their motives and their character. Give the tongue full reign, and you end up biting and devouring one another, bringing destruction in its wake. Scripture has a lot to say about this. The letter of James warns about the dangers of the tongue and how difficult it is to control. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law, that is of love, and judges it. And from Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You and I certainly don't serve one another if we're talking behind one another's backs, spreading half-truths, sowing dissension, and cutting people down. What if we all resolve to hold our tongue when evil thoughts come to mind? What if we actually obeyed the biblical injunction to speak only that which builds people up and builds the community up? There is the service or the ministry of holding one's tongue. And then there is the service of truly listening to one another. Bonhoeffer writes, 
Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. So it is his work that we do for our brother when we learn to listen to him. I think it's easy for you and I to forget that actually listening can be a greater service than speaking. So many people are looking for an ear that will listen. And by listening, we put put aside our own agenda. We take a break from what we are doing. We give full attention to the other. Listening requires selflessness and humility. Listening shows you care. Listening shows that you are trying to understand the the, the thinking and the, the feeling and the experience of another. When someone close to you senses that they are not listening, it really hurts. Because not listening gives the message that they don't really matter. That they're not worth your time. Listening is often a rare practice in this hurry-up world. In his book, Stress Fractures, Pastor Charles Swindoll writes, I vividly remember some time back being caught in the undertow of too many commitments in too few days. It wasn't long before I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. Before long, things around our home started reflecting the pattern of my hurry-up style. It was becoming unbearable. I distinctly recall after supper one evening the words of our younger daughter, Colleen. She wanted to tell me about something important that had happened to her at school that day. She hurriedly began, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. And suddenly, realizing her frustration, says Swindoll, I answered, Honey, You can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. I'll never forget her answer. She said, then listen slowly, Daddy. (laughs) Listening shows the other person that he or she matters. It means giving other people time and our full attention. It means listening to others slowly. And when you and I listen to one another, when we listen to others, they are drawn to us and relationships grow. Maybe that's why people were so initially attracted to Jesus in the first place. He had this enormous enormous capacity to listen to others. He asked questions of lepers and Roman officers and blind men and invalids and rabbis and prostitutes and fishermen and politicians and mothers and religious zealots. Jesus truly wanted to hear the person who was in front of him. He wanted to fully know them. And you know, that's what love is all about. So brothers and sisters, let us serve one another by listening to each other. We need to talk less and listen more. Maybe that's why the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth, right? 
And then there's the ministry or the service of active helpfulness. And that means helping one another in practical ways, even if it seems small or insignificant or mundane. It may involve cleaning up after a church dinner or weeding the beds or sweeping the floor, cleaning the carpet, uh, providing transportation for people who would otherwise be unable to make a Bible study or some event. Uh, It might mean providing meals for a family that's been in crisis, maybe writing a letter of encouragement to somebody, visiting the sick. It may be uh, taking care of the, the nursery, the kids in the nursery, inviting a new person to dinner, means actively praying for someone, maybe serving on a prayer chain. There's no end to the practical things we can do for one another. And all of those little things matter more than we know. If you remember, Jesus said that even a cup of cold water given to somebody who's thirsty in my name will have eternal significance in the kingdom. Small, practical things which makes community possible, and relationships grow as we do them together. And all of this presupposes, of course, the giving of time, which actually is the most precious gift you can give anyone. It's more valuable. Time is more valuable than money. Time is the most precious gift because you only have a a set amount of it. You can always get more money, but you can't ever get more time. When you give someone your time by listening to them, by actively helping them in practical ways, you are giving them a portion of your life that you'll never get back, and that is love. The service of active helpfulness. We're not talking here about extraordinary deeds of self-sacrifice. But the simple things, the waiting upon each other, the the people who serve at the tea, uh, the people in the kitchen, the people serving a coffee hour, being an usher, you know, little things. But it's love expressed. Apostle John writes, my children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. Serving one another in love involves the holding of the tongue, active listening to those around us, and engaging in the service of active helpfulness. Those are all crucial to the health of our community. Those are all mentioned in Bonhoeffer's little book, Life Together. Well, finally, I want to call attention to the ministry or to the service of sharing the particular talent or gift that God has given uniquely to each of us for the upbuilding and for the welfare of this church. You all have particular talents, particular gifts, particular experiences, particular expertise that God has given you to upbuild the community here. Listen to Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to others. 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks, the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. And then in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what might that particular talent or expertise be that you might be willing to bless this community with? It might be uh, maybe you have an expertise in the area of finance or music. You play an instrument that we don't know. We, we may not know that you play an instrument and would like to share it somehow. Uh, the gift of being able to sing. Uh, the gift of teaching children. Well, Lynn often has a very hard time finding people who are willing to teach children or the teaching adults, leading a Bible study, or maybe being able to lead a small group. Maybe you have the, the gift of, uh, of organization or administration, and you could be used somehow in the church office. Maybe you have a technological skill you could share, whether it has to do with a computer or a sound system or whatever. I know that the, the tech team can always use more people back there. Some of us may have been blessed with uh, bountiful financial resources, and you have an unusual capacity to encourage others by your financial giving. Wonderful. What a wonderful gift and a resource that you have. You can bless this community royally and encourage us all. Maybe you have a particular experience in life, something that you've been through that you might be able to share with others, coming alongside people in times of crisis or an emergency. In that case, you might want to become a Stephen Minister, what gift or talent do you have that could bless this community? Because we need you. There's a reason why God has brought us all here. And as we bless the community, not only the faith community, but then together we can move out and serve the world. Because as I look out on this congregation, and I see the folks assembled here, and I go, wow, what talent here. I mean, what smarts. You know, what gifts. And what if we valued every gift and every talent and harnessed those and mobilized for the service of God's kingdom? There's no telling what we might be able to do for Christ in this place. To each one is given a gift by the Spirit for the common good. And then Paul talks about the body and how everybody in the body is needed. Every part of the body is, is valued. And if that particular part of the body is not functioning, then the whole body is not working as God intended. So what is your gift? And can you make those gifts known to the leadership of the church or to one another? Listen again to 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others 
faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Serve one another humbly in love. The service of holding one's tongue, the service of active listening, the service of active helpfulness, and the the service of sharing our gifts and our talents, the unique ones that God has given us. Serve one another humbly in love. I want to close with one of my favorite stories. It's a beautiful little Jewish folk tale. But to me, it perfectly exemplifies the attitude of service the Lord wants to build into our lives. And it's a little picture of what the church is to be about. There was once two brothers who farmed together, and they shared equally in all of the, all of the work, and they split the profits evenly. Each had his own granary. One of the brothers was married and had a large family, and the other brother was single. And one day, the single brother thought to himself, you know, it's not fair that we should divide the grain evenly because my brother has many mouths to feed and, and I am only one person. I know what I'll do. I'll carry a sack of my grain from my granary each evening and I'll put it in my brother's granary. And so each night when it was dark, he carefully carried the sack of grain over to his brother's granary his barn. But now the married brother thought to himself, it's not fair that we should divide the the grain evenly. I have many children to care for me in my old age, and my, my brother has none. I know what I'll do. I'll take a sack of grain from my granary each evening, and I'll put it in my brother's barn. And he did. And each morning, the two brothers were amazed to discover that though they had removed a sack of grain the night before, they had just as many. (laughs) And one night, the two brothers met each other halfway between their barns, (laughs) each carrying a sack of grain. And then they understood the mystery. And they embraced and loved each other deeply. And there's a legend that says God looked down from heaven, saw the two brothers embracing and said, I declare this to be a holy place for I witness extraordinary love here. Serve one another humbly in love. Amen.